0: Welcome to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. Today, we're talking about being a medical tourist. IVF is abroad. That?
1: Yeah, or just not in your country. Correct. Seeking... Are you abroad <laughs> if you go to a country that's connected to your country?
0: You mean as in like, you don't fly over a sea? Yeah. Oh, I'm not Sure. Yeah, what does the term abroad really mean? Like, I bet there's an actual term that it... Let's Google it real quick. <laughs> I will. It's just In a, yeah. or to a foreign country or countries. So I think the answer to your question would be yes. You're still going abroad. Yeah, I guess so. You're right, though. I think well, when you think of going abroad, you think of like that you have to fly over a sea. Yeah, that's what I think. Which sounds but much more exotic.
1: Either yeah. way. Anyway. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about seeking infertility treatments in a country other than your own. Which and a lot of people do. I mean, man, not a whole bunch, but... it's But it's becoming increasingly popular in certain countries. The United yeah, States being one of them. Yeah, there's a huge, uh, I think it's huge in India. You mean people going to India or people leaving India?
1: Going to India.
0: Well, yeah, they can get you pregnant when you're in your 70s, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So
1: if you think about it, if you do IVF when you're like 30, your embryos are always going to be 30 year old embryos. Yes. So you could do IVF whenever. Even after you went through menopause. (laughs) We wouldn't recommend it though. Well, I see people worrying about it all the time in other IVF groups besides our own. Yeah. Like in the IV I'm in this IVF it's like after you get pregnant group or after you whatever. And I see people that are like, I'm going to be 39 or 40s and my husband's 78. No Mm -hmm. joke. Yeah. But um, they're like, I'm worried about it. Like, if you have to do IVF again, then I would be worried about it. But if you have embryos.
0: Well, yeah, that's your chances of success are better if your embryos are Younger and were created in your more fertile age, but but everything still kind of just in general health wise declines as you get older. So things just don't work as well, unfortunately. Your thyroid, yeah. circulation. My doctor was like,
1: "You're getting pressure. older." Yeah, I'm like I'm twenty nine. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm old. You're not. My face has definitely aged since having our first baby,
0: though. (laughs) Mine, too. People tell me on YouTube all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I just know because I don't get carded. Oh.
1: (laughs) And Your way is better than mine. (laughs) I mean, no one has told me. I haven't put out as many YouTube videos after words, so... And I put a bunch of makeup on.
0: Yeah. That helps. Thank the Lord for good makeup. I mean, it's one of, it's truly one of life's greatest pleasures. And good lighting. Good, and lighting, good lighting and
1: good makeup make mm-hmm. a huge difference in videos and pictures. They do. And on that note, we'll move <laughs> on to the business. And that's why you guys don't see us. <laughs> right. Right. That's why we are doing a podcast. That's why we do a podcast yes. and not a TV show. That's the only yeah.
0: reason why. So you it's can't doing see it
1: I mean I'm wearing a nightgown. Yeah.
0: And Sarah's Kayla knew.
1: <laughs> She's like, "Is that that nightgown from Target before
0: <laughs> we started?" <laughs> no. I love those nightgowns. They're so comfortable. They're so comfortable. What's I almost the brand? wore it of Gill- Gilligan O'Malley or something? Probably. I don't know. They're Probably. super soft. And they. I was telling Sarah I love them because they keep the ladies locked and loaded. Well, the bra is like built in. It's not a shelf bra.
1: Mm-hmm. Like a separate thing so you don't get all tangled up in it when right. you're putting it on. It's but, great. They're It's and stretchy it's, and soft. It's so comfortable. I have like four or five of them. Like I'm <laughs> super fat right now, so... <laughs> It is expanding. With your it's growing great. belly. And yeah, I almost wore it to the family reunion yesterday.
0: Nice.
1: I didn't though, because someone like you would be like, is she wearing a
0: nightgown? <laughs> I probably would have called you out if I had been at that family reunion. <laughs> Sarah, that looks familiar. What are you doing? <laughs> I love when... Your pajamas are hiding in plain sight (laughs) when you can pass them off as real clothes. Anyway, um, our business is very short today. Um, Because we're talking about doing fertility treatments and IVF abroad, we wanted to take a quick minute to thank all of our international listeners. So if you're listening not in the United States, we're so happy you're here. Hello. Hello. I know Hello. we have some... We have
1: a lot of people who are originally from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because it's such a big country. I don't know. But there's a lot of Brazilians who have moved to different countries who listen. Hmm. You know, like, there's one Brazilian who moved to Ireland. That's right. She's in and our then Facebook a, group. Yeah, and then there's a Brazilian who moved... There's a lot of Brazilians who moved to the U.S.
0: Uh-huh. But... Yeah. So I actually looked up our analytics of people who listen and where. Mm-hmm. So we have the majority obviously are in the United States. But then after that, we've got 10% of our listeners are in Australia. So what? how's it going? Down under. Good day. Good day, mate. And that was not a good accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we've... We've established neither one of us are very good at accents from our last episode. And I'm not good at acting. <laughs> right? This is not why you tune in to hear us attempt accents. And then there's 6% in the UK, 3% cool. in Canada. And oh then no. it sort of trails off from there. But there's a bunch who got Ireland, Germany, Portugal, Sweden, Puerto Rico every time I see that word Puerto Rico I think of the musical um what's it called oh oh man I, d- I don't know oh, man. is it a new one no dirty dancing yes there's lots of dancing <laughs> dirty dancing is no, in America no. oh man I'm driving someone right? so crazy right now no it's like it's the, the West Side Story yes Puerto Rico yeah The Netherlands, Spain, Brazil, Switzerland, New Zealand, France, South Africa, Finland, Mexico, Dominican Republic, Greece, Norway, Hungary, Israel, Singapore, Denmark, Russia, Aruba, Serbia, Croatia, Iceland, Moldova, Mozambique, Poland, Romania, Tunisia, Vanuatu. Haven't heard of that one. And there's, and then other is listed, (laughs) so (laughs) there's... 0.02% of you are listening in some country other than what I just listed. That's exciting. (laughs) I think that's cool. There's so many people from all over the place. It's awesome. Are our voice or accents grading Mm.
1: for you international listeners?
0: (laughs) I just wonder. Yeah. I mean, I don't find other people's english accents grading they sound smarter nah it depends on the person
1: <laughs> yeah sometimes i'm like uh the way they say certain words I'm like that really annoys
0: me i don't know why <laughs> well, i'm sure we really annoy some people with some of the words we say yeah if you're listening from somewhere other than the united states we would love to hear from you yeah. Or if you're if you're listening from somewhere that I didn't list, let us know. Send us an email to infertilemafia@gmail.com. We tell like... us
1: what words we say that are annoying to you. There you
0: go. I'm not gonna say
1: the accent that annoys me. Uh oh. Because I don't want to be mean.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you guys are enjoying the podcast, please give us a rating and review. It's really again we've said this many times but it's the best way for even more people to find us and listen to us in even more countries so if you're feeling generous go to apple podcast or itunes and just give us a quick rating or a review we'd really appreciate it and on to medical
1: tourism dun, fertility dun, dun, dun. tourism i say peter makes fun of me for the way i say tourism tour tourism it's, it's like I cut out a syllable or something. He's uh, like, you mean
0: tour? <laughs> I think I say tourism.
1: That's how I say it. Tourism. Yeah.
0: Well, you're saying tourism. Yeah. And tourism. He, he wants you to say tourism with
1: two syllables, mm, right? Sounds the same to me. <laughs> he also makes fun of
0: the way I say wolf or woof. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's an l in that word yeah i
1: think it's because
0: i'm originally from nebraska Mm. i hide a lot of words that i mean i have to stop myself and be like don't say it like a texan (laughs) what about that wolf over there (laughs) y'all fixing to go eat (laughs) (laughs) i've i've let a few of them slip on this podcast so like i can't for the life of me train myself not to say cement cement yeah that's how most people say it unless you're from the Ah. south you say cement sounds like cement right which we've had this exact conversation before (laughs) we have yes (laughs) we're starting to repeat ourselves this is a bad sign
1: We should move on. (laughs) We are losing our minds. So what is medical tourism? (laughs) I guess it does sound wrong when you say it like that. Yeah, it does. Tourism. Tourism. Uh, It's also known as health tourism. So it's where people who live in one country travel to another country to receive medical, dental, dental, in surgical care while at the same time receiving equal or greater to care than they would have in their own country. Um, So it could either be because of affordability, better access to care or a higher level of quality of care. And then um, domestic medical tourism is where people travel from one city to another or another state to receive medical, dental, or surgical care because of all those reasons that I said before. True. I think people, what state is it? It's around Illinois. But (laughs) people in one state have to travel over the state line to do donor eggs and donor sperm and I guess donor embryos.
0: Really? I think it's Indiana. I would have, I would <clears throat> guess Indiana, but I don't know could for be sure. Wrong. We could just be spouting off all kinds of miss, miss facts. It's one of those states around there. Hmm. That doesn't surprise me. And you also but have it- access to Chicago, which opens up a lot of options for people. True. In the Midwest. Yeah. I could see I could see a lot more people doing domestic tourism. Man, every time we say that word, I'm gonna second tourism. guess myself. I could see people doing that more than, you know, like the, the whole, like actually going to another country. Which seems like a lot of work. To to go to another country.
1: Yes, but mm-hmm. you'll see why a little bit later why it is maybe not as much work as you would think
0: right there are some advantages to this option
1: yeah it's like going
0: on vacation pretty much i mean not Mm -hmm. that ivf is ever a vacation but yeah and in fact someone that was a comment we got from someone we asked you guys on instagram and in our facebook group um if anybody had any experience going abroad And someone said they were considering it because they thought it would be like a vacation. Or almost like you are purposely leaving behind your life wherever you are. Whether it's your job or other, like, responsibilities. And and that way, wherever you go for the IVF, that's, like, all you're focusing on. Which I think there might be some benefit to that. Maybe. Plus, if you go to a place like Aruba, which we're going to talk about. Right? Or bar- I don't know. Barbados?
1: Barbados. Barbados.
0: You can just sit on the beach and enjoy mocktails the whole time, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd like to enjoy real ones, though. Well, but if you're doing IVF. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe a few. <laughs> uh.
1: So I found this article... It's uh from the plas- it's from placidway.com and it's about I thought you said placidway.com. T- oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like where? <I> mean, <laughs>
1: the placidway.com. It's more about male infertility. <laughs> uh, it's about the top 10 fertility tourism countries and um, a note that I made about this was it's in comic sans so I don't know how much I trust it. Right. Never trust anything written in Comic
0: Sans. Comic Sans is not to be trusted. No. I agree. Yeah. I hate so that the, font.
1: Me too. And uh, what is, it starts with a P.
0: Oh, papyrus. Like a, yeah. Papyrus yeah, is one. an awful font. Don't ever use that font. Mm-mm. A lot of restaurants. Do. I know. And it's like, we. do you think nobody has eyes? Like everybody sees that you're all using, why does everyone want to use papyrus? I don't know. It burns my eyes. It burns my eyes too. Don't, guys, stop (laughs) using papyrus. It's terrible. For real.
1: Anyway. Anyway, so this article says traveling to a foreign country can help patients save up to 70%, which doesn't seem like it would. Right. Right? Because you're traveling and traveling is expensive. And that's including all hospital travel and other fees. Uh, in the U.S., a single IVF cycle can range from twelve thousand to thirteen thousand seven hundred. Okay, that fact-checking already.
0: No even. way, it's way higher than that.
1: Yeah, plus you have your meds. Yeah, and it, like the meds could make it vary a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, this says costs drop dramatically in emerging markets such as Turkey. It says cost five thousand, Argentina forty nine hundred, Ukraine, India. It says India is three thousand. Mexico thirty five hundred and Thailand four thousand.
0: Hmm.
1: Huh. I don't know. I just I don't know. What do you not know? I don't <laughs> I don't think I'd want to travel to one
0: of those countries to do IVF. Yeah. Well, That's a great segue into what I wanted to talk about, Sarah, which is an article that I found called Fertility Clinics Abroad. So it's pretty much right there in the niche that we're talking about today. And it's talking about what prevents people from doing IVF abroad. And the number one thing is the inconvenience of travel, like you just said, um, they're just, they're just sort of scared to take that leap and go to another country. The second one being the language barrier, which is a real concern, should be. If you don't speak the language where you're going, we're going to share a story from one of our listeners. Her name is Heather. That She did IVF in Spain and that was by far one of her biggest challenges was the language barrier. Um. You also had this. So they did a poll, this website, and about 30 percent of people said that they worried about the lack of regulations in different countries because you really don't know how their health care is regulated. I mean, you you can find out, but you have to do that work. And it just may not be the same standard you're used to. It might be better in some places. I don't know. But the one caveat is that. IVF success rates abroad, they pretty much are comparable to the United States. So there's that. Hmm. So if you can get over all these other um, concerns and you can get comfortable with where you're going and the other things I just talked about, language, regulations, etc., then... Like I said, the the success rates are actually just as good for the most part. Because well, the science g- is the same, really. Yeah. I say that, but, but we both know like even with from in, within the same clinic, like there's different protocols for different people and there's just so many variables for each person. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think the thing that would give me the most like pause about it is just like what if something bad happened in sur- it's still surgery i don't know
1: yeah that i don't know but
0: then I again just don't know
1: if i'd want to travel somewhere and have surgery
0: yeah but then again the cost savings are really hard to ignore is the money worth it to you it might be. I mean, if you can't afford question. IVF in the United States or in the UK, which I'm about to unload on the UK right now in this episode, I have some Whoa. opinions. <laughs> what are they? Well, people are flocking in droves from the UK to do IVF in other places because they cannot access their free health care, quote, they're covered Healthcare and they can't afford private healthcare. Um, we can talk about it in a minute, but <laughs> if you can't afford it, that's your. What is your other option? You either, you know, you. I would say you could look into adoption, but that's not necessarily cheaper. Some no. places it's not even an option, like in Australia. Yeah, they said that. Yes, you can't adopt. Barely ever happens. Right, that's crazy. Or I guess your other option is you decide not to have kids or you go the route of doing IVF that where it's cheaper. Yeah. For you.
1: And I see these random facts you yeah. have them here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Isn't that weird?
1: IVF is banned in Japan for single people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And IVF is banned in France for same sex couples.
0: Yeah, so don't thought, don't think all the French people don't think France is like so progressive.
1: Yeah, I thought France was supposed to be, you know, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not. Kayla's just shaking her head. No, 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 no. But then I read this article that that um, same-sex couples can adopt a baby conceived via IVF but they can't they don't have access you know what I don't know if it's that they can't do IVF at all or if it's that healthcare doesn't cover it for same-sex couples I'm not sure um mm. but oh, that's
1: I, good that would be a big difference that would there. be a
0: big qualifier <laughs> um <laughs> but either way it's problematic for me don't you think like really
1: that's yeah. crazy well, is IVF
0: covered in France I think so mm. I mean most European countries ha- I think I saw that success rates were higher
1: for places who have uh, IVF covered like that the IVF success rates yeah oh well I wonder if they only let people who would have a good success
0: rate do it though Well, uh, now you're getting into some of the reasons I'm mad at the UK. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They might not let people who have complicated.
0: Yes. uh, Diagnoses. They have. (laughs) I think the the reasons that they deny coverage for people, it's getting stricter and stricter. The almost like a pre-existing condition type thing. Oh, yes. You know, if you're over the age of 37, no coverage. If you... Yeah. Or, like, you know, whatever it is. And so that then leaves those people who thought they had this health insurance for fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. Now they're left to just, like, do it on their own. And then the cost is so outrageous to do it privately in these countries that have nationalized health care that then that's why they end up leaving and going to India or wherever. Spain. Yeah. Okay, so I found an article.
1: It's actually about a couple from Kansas City. And they did IVF in Barbados. So I wonder if they went to the same clinic as I did. Oh, yeah. Who knows? (laughs) But um, they did a bunch of IUIs. They didn't work. And they were about $1,000 each. And then they started researching going abroad for IVF. And they learned that there was a significant price difference. So in Kansas City, for a full round of IVF for everything they wanted, it would run about $23,000. And that's including meds. And then the total price for IVF in Barbados was to be about $8,300. In the Barbados Clinic had a travel guide who helped them figure out details and pricing for travel. Hey. Airfare, yeah, that's why earlier I said maybe it's not as complicated Mm -hmm. as you think. So airfare for four, they were taking their older son and the lady's mom. A condo for two weeks, a car, and food totaled up to about $10,000. So the trip to Barbados, including IVF, um, cost them about 18,500. Okay. So I mean, there's a cost savings there.
0: Well, and Probably you get a about, vacation out of it. Yeah, so. but then
1: how much they're also missing, I guess that's true. It depends on do they have time off of work? like do they have PTO? Or do they not
0: get paid while they're gone? Well, yeah. It, it's a lot of time to take off if you're leaving the country for the entire time. That would be... Yeah, so... you, But if you had a flexible job where you could do that, then that's certainly not going to work for everybody. But...
1: Yeah, like if you get paid time off, that's great. But if you're like leaving work and you aren't working for two weeks and then you're not getting paid for two weeks... Right. Then... That's a lot of money to miss out on, too. So, I mean, there's people who went abroad. I don't see, like, as big of a cost savings as other websites have claimed.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I would guess they they had to have chosen that partly because it would be like a vacation. Like, you take yeah. a vacation with a little IVF on the side, hope mm-hmm. that you get a baby out of it.
1: They ended up getting pregnant and had twins. Hey, there you go. So they got a baby out of it. They went on vacation and yeah, got pregnant.
0: They did it like lots of people. don't. Haven't you heard that story? Like we went on our honeymoon and then we got pregnant. They, that's basically. Yeah, just, just go on
1: vacation just, and relax Right, and you'll
0: get pregnant. Exactly.
1: I guess for these people, that whole thing was true. <laughs> they had to do IVF
0: to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you want, you can leave that little detail out. You know, yeah, we went on vacation. We got pregnant. That's all people need to twins. know. We got twins.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it just seems like a big hassle to me. Yeah, for not that much of a cost savings.
0: But well, what you just described maybe isn't like a huge cost savings.
1: Like, but it seemed like they needed a lot of extra stuff. Uh
0: huh. So. I think I don't know. I wonder if there's I wonder if there's travel agents out there with a specialized market of, <laughs> I'll book your IVF vacation for you. You know. I bet people go to Mexico to get liposuction. Wow. I mean, yeah. that is a highly specialized travel agent. <laughs> but I'm sure <laughs> it exists. It sounds like they used one.
1: Come back looking hot, tan, mm-hmm. and pregnant. Well, I was talking about the liposuction. Oh, sure. You go the
0: opposite way. (laughs) So, okay. I kept this, I have this constant theme running through my head as I was thinking about this topic. And it was, why is it so much cheaper to go abroad from certain countries? I'm going to use can I guess? the U.S. and the U.K. as an example. Yeah, you can guess.
1: My guess is regulations. I'm sure
0: that's part of it.
1: And medicine not costing as much.
0: Why would the medicine not cost as much? Because of regulations and <laughs> patents. But they use the same stuff that we do. I know, but their meds cost less. I know. It's. I just, I'll be honest, I. I have yet to get an answer that satisfies me after. Oh, I thought you had
1: an answer. No, I don't. Oh. (laughs) It's probably because schooling for doctors is so
0: expensive. No, I'm not buying that. (laughs) And insurance. Insurance? I mean, maybe it's a combination of all these things. I found this Newsweek article that has some very provocative responses to that question okay tell Um, me about it well okay so one of their suggestions in this article we'll link it in the show notes is that there's a lack of fertility doctors in the united states and Mm -hmm. like they purposely limit the number of fellowships for reproductive endocrinology and Like in the same paragraph, someone was like, no, that's not the reason why. (laughs) But if that were the reason, it would drive the price up because the less access you have, the higher the cost. It's like they use the they use LASIK eye surgery as an example, like it used to cost ten thousand dollars when it wasn't done as frequently. Now the technology is so much better and so many more doctors are doing it. So LASIK surgery is much, much cheaper. Which, like 2,000 and I, 3,000 and
1: I. Yeah. But, or if you get a discount, it's like 1,800
0: and I. Right. But simple, <laughs> like, economic supply and demand, basically. So there's probably something right. to that. The ones that I found more problematic were um, them talking about, like, that the U- U.S. is basically they don't want the, the keep the prices high to because of the risk of making having children a commodity like almost like population control <laughs> in a manner of speaking which is crazy it's crazy yeah. um but then and then they also threw in that like so many babe so many ivf babies are like drive up the Cost of healthcare because they're premature and they what? have it. I'm like that's also crazy. No, they don't. No, they don't.
1: Only if you have like multiples. Usually, it's not right. The- the, I mean, for singletons, I'm sure the rate of prematurity is the same as an average person, right? Having an issue, and it's not because they did IVF, right?
0: I. I, we've talked about this before. I don't have any science or any statistics to back up my theory, what I'm about to say. But it really pisses me off that women get scared that IVF babies are more prone to congenital disease or um, heart, issues. Pr- heart issues or prematurity, blah, blah, blah. Because you, you read that, like you hear that and you read that in certain places. And I've always said that I think it's – I just think it's because they – are monitored so much more closely than, um, yeah. I, I think that's well, why it's not because they're actually this, mm, ha- a higher incident of it.
1: There's this forum that I read on sometimes, and someone's always like, "IVF baby, like fifty percent of IVF babies have heart issues." And I'm like, "What? Yeah, where do you get your statistic from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> because that is not right." I just think it's I just think it's because they're monitored more closely and so when it does happen it's just it gets caught and recorded more like more than it does with a non-IVF baby. Well, and if they do it's
1: like a percentage more.
0: Right, it's not like oh 50% of IVF babies have you know have heart defects. No, it's crazy. People. And then the, I can make up statistics, too. You know. <laughs> right. Well, we just kind of did make up. Well, we didn't. That is not a fact. That is our opinion. <laughs> we'll clarify And I sound that. a lot more convincing. <laughs> right. Um, and then, okay, so the last thing is that fertility is not covered for the most part in the U.S. So that's changing. But for the most part, it's still mm. like... It's still coming largely out of the consumer's pocket, unless you're in a state like Massachusetts. Um, So it was saying, while most other developed countries consider infertility a medical condition, insurance policies cover the cost of IVF. Health insurers in the U.S. typically don't think, quote, wanting a child is a medical necessity. And so they quoted this doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That said a complicating factor. Up to eighty percent of infertility cases are caused simply by increasing maternal age. Another made up statistic. I eighty percent.
1: Come on, most of the infertiles I know are ah, started in their twenties <laughs> and Exactly. Go into early thirties. Mm-hmm. They are not geriatric pregnancy people. No. Because over 35 is geriatric pregnancy. But
0: even, yeah, like, no. No. He goes on. Nay. He says, it's hard to call infertility disease. It's normal aging, he says, adding that only about 20% of women who seek treatment have what's called a, quote, valid diagnosis, such as they don't ovulate. Most of the time, you can't even make a valid diagnosis. He sounds like a really shitty doctor. Hey, hey, what's his name? S- um, st- uh, sil- silber? I don't know.
1: Is he even a reproductive endocrinologist?
0: I'd have to go back and skim again.
1: <laughs> hey, Mr. <laughs> doctor Guy, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> because... What you're saying is an
0: opinion and not true. No. that There's no way that 80% of infertility cases are increased maternal age. That is simply false.
1: And then to say that you can't really say that someone has a A valid diagnosis, he says. A valid. Yeah. Really? So does not having tubes, is that a valid diagnosis? Probably not according to this guy. Is it Dr. Sherman Silber? Maybe. Is he at St. Luke's? Re- he's at St. Luke's yep. in St. Louis. That's him. That's him. And he, he's the author of How
0: to Get Pregnant. No one buy his book. No one buy his book. And you know who else I'm mad at is Newsweek for putting this bullshit out there for people to read and believe. <laughs> and he said, he
1: said, this isn't Walmart. Embryos aren't like toothpaste. Yes, can't he's do a recall in
0: embryos. Correct. He's discouraging people from doing IVF abroad. You know why? He has an ulterior motive. He doesn't want the cr- the price to come down in the United States. We all know why. This asshole has his own
1: Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'm going to go in there and change it. I'm going to say he's like
0: five foot tall. <laughs> and an asshole. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so I I guess whatever. I'm I'm throwing it out there because I posed the question when we first started talking about this topic of why is it so expensive in the US and I've yet to get an answer that satis- satisfies me and those answers definitely don't satisfy me. Here's what we should do. I feel like this is extremely irresponsible journalism, like fake news at its finest. Here's what we do. We have an infernal mafia meetup in St. Louis because it's like halfway between us, mm-hmm. and we'll have we'll have a meetup. We can gather gather the troops, the mafia, and we'll just ascend upon Doctor. What's his name? Nicely, we'll, cyber. We'll have a a silver peaceful protest. <laughs> well, and I don't think he's actually a reproductive endocrinologist either. Okay, more irresponsible journalism.
1: So, he's
0: just a random doctor that said something that fit their narrative.
1: He had a 38-year-old do 6 IUIs. Is he an OBGYN? I bet he's an OBGYN. <laughs> he's a he's a fertility special t- specialist. But he's
0: not an RE. No.
1: I mean, I don't know if an RE is this. I feel like they would call him a reproductive endocrinologist.
0: Yeah. If he was an and RE. And not a
1: reproductive specialist.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start moving on to some listener comments and experiences. And the first one was... I'll go back to talking about the UK. Because seriously, the numbers of people doing IVF abroad in the UK are staggeringly high and since we as I said at the top have a lot of listeners in the UK if you guys can shed any more light on the topic or if you want to correct us, there's a lot of people in the UK with podcasts about infertility (laughs) maybe you guys can Mm -hmm. shed some light on this Um, so the first person um, for, from Instagram said that she would do IVF abroad for financial financial reasons and closer monitoring as the N- NHS does no monitoring after an embryo transfer, which that's their national health care mm-hmm. system. Um, so using a clinic abroad with a sister monitoring in London. So I asked her what that meant. And so basically this is like a really cool sneak around where – They do like they have a clinic abroad where they do the egg retrieval and the transfer, like the big things. But they do the stimming and the monitoring at like a satellite, like a local clinic in London. So I thought that was like a cool because so then you don't have to like you were saying earlier travel for so long. Like you don't have to be gone for so long. And I would guess going from the U.K. to, like, Spain is not nearly as expensive as it would be for us in the United States to travel that far. Yeah. So that's one option that seems viable. I would do that. Um, and then she also or someone else said that their advice from their fertility specialist was to use donor eggs in Spain because the anonymity laws in the U.K., put women off from donating eggs because I guess they have to be they can't do it anonymously Um, and then however in Spain donating is totally anonymous so more women are likely to do it they advertise that it takes an average of three months to find a donor that matches you in Spanish clinics but apparently it can be at least two years in England unless you have a willing donor in your own network wow yeah like what's up England what's up What's going on?
1: Well, the weird thing is, IVF started in England.
0: (laughs) And now it's like one of the worst places to do IVF, apparently. I mean, the hardest places, I would say,
1: to do IVF. Yeah. Maybe
0: the care, or I don't know. One of the most expensive places to do IVF. Yeah. Or the hardest place to get affordable treatment. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm sure the care is still really good. Maybe. I it should not know. But I think it is. I mean, they should have, like, the most medical advances. This is just, I don't know. I don't want to get on a tangent about politics and insurance, etc. But this is what makes me very nervous about a national he- health care system. <laughs> because yeah. I think I said it before, like, yeah, everybody has coverage, but you can't access it. Or you can't access Ugh. it in a timely fashion. Or yeah, you've got coverage, but they don't do any monitoring after an embryo transfer.
1: Like, well, I mean, after the whole Healthcare Act, Affordable Healthcare Act went through, my insurance is horrible now. Yeah, like my insurance was just fine before, and it was way cheaper, like ninety nine dollars, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And now
0: it's crazy expensive oh our premiums went through the roof yeah so it's just I mean I'm not saying that our healthcare system here was perfect I'm just saying that there's no perfect system and that this the idea that oh let's just not like make it free for everyone it's just it's not that simple it's like not like you can flip a switch and yeah you can't just make it free for everyone no it's just Unfortunately, that's just not the way, that's just not the way it works. And it's really sad that in a country with national health care, everyone's leaving to get their health care for IVF. I don't know what it's like for other stuff. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe it's not as bad. I don't know. Have you watched One
1: Born Every Minute? mm Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you want to tell me about it? No,
1: I mean, it's just about people having babies in London, I think. Okay. Somewhere in England. And it's like all midwives. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, a, yeah. it's, not, it's I, My mother-in-law it's keeps just, telling me to watch Call the Midwife. Ah, oh, that's such a good show. Yeah. I know. It
1: is, it is a really good show. I would watch it. You should. I will do it. I, I have watched it. But I only got to. Uh, oof. I didn't make it all the way through the seasons, but it will scare you. I guess if you're done having kids, yeah, yeah. But, the pre eclampsia episode really scared. But don't me.
0: watch it if you're not done having kids. So yeah. that's most of our listeners. <laughs> don't watch. Yeah. It. <laughs> like, have you seen *Orphan Black*? *Orange is the New Black*.
1: No, no, no. *Orphan oh, Black*. No, Nope. It's about cloning and IVF and. Eugenics. Yeah, I wanna watch
0: that. It's really good. Yeah. That I'll put that in my queue. So So, Okay, here's a couple more. Yeah. From Instagram at Ashley Rogers eighty. She is from New York, I guess, and she said it's around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. And she already did around I think that was unsuccessful. So she chose Poland where it's around $4,300 with unlimited meds and ICSI included. Whoa. Does she know Polish? I don't know. I wonder. I don't know. But then there was a little, like, conversation going, going with her between someone else. Like, people are talking. They're exchanging information. Like, someone that was like, what? Tell me about this clinic. So they're talking about it. Hey. Yeah. Making connections. Making connections. And then this person at Big Bad Mrs. Wolf said, I'm currently going through my second IVF in Prague. I'm from Canada. And I wrote to her, can you tell me more about why you chose to go to Prague as opposed to IVF in Canada, where they have national health care? And she wrote back, (laughs) oh, for sure. (laughs) That was it was a good Canadian accent For sure. you did. I'm not going to read the rest into Canadian accent though. A? Hey. For sure, A. Eh? We did one round in Canada with the InvoCell, which we've talked about. Um, she did that in Calgary and she said that they were successful in creating embryos but not successful holding on to them. So I, I don't know if that means, you know, once they transferred them or they just didn't grow past a certain, I'm not sure. Um, and then she said, we compared costs for us another round in Canada or Prague, and for us to do the full procedure, fly and live in Prague for three weeks, it ends up being half the price versus Canada. It's crazy. It's crazy. Peter just can't miss that much work. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Bill. He'd be like, if you want to do that, you're on your own. Yeah, pretty much. You have to take Take my sperm on ice. Like, that's in my carry-on <laughs> bag. Just Ooh. Uh, nothing to see here. Just a little sperm on ice. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, then we had a couple on Facebook, uh, Brazilians, like you were talking about, um, a Brazilian living in Ireland. Last year, we went to that's Prague. That's the Brazilian
1: I was talking yeah. about. Yeah.
0: She said, not only the cost of basic IV- IVF, which always has ICSI, it's three times less than it is here. Also, their technology is very advanced. Unfortunately, it didn't work for us. I have low AMH and didn't respond well to stems, but we're trying again. Later this year, we're going back to try a tandem cycle, which I don't know what that is. Do you? I Well,
1: I said, what is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's where you have an egg donor backup. Oh. Like on backup in case you need their eggs. Oh. Which makes me wonder, are they stimming at the same time as you? And then you're like, I don't need you now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do they do with their eggs if they don't use them? Do they have an egg retrieval and then just like toss them? How does that work? I guess they could donate them. Wow, that's really interesting. See, that sounds like if you did that in the US, it would be insanely expensive. If you had a backup oh, yeah. egg donor stemming with you, whoa! <laughs> <That would. laughs> oh my! I mean, you're basically paying for it twice. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Julia said, "You can't sorry, pay ahead.
1: for an egg donor."
0: Wait, what'd you in say? The U.S. I
1: said technically you can't pay for an egg donor in the U.S.
0: But well, there's that you're paying for an egg. Donor. <laughs> yeah. Julia said, my husband and I are currently considering moving to the USA to adopt because adoption doesn't really exist in Australia. I'm a U.S. citizen, so we think it could be an option.
1: Crazy. That's so
0: sad. She, I asked her a little bit more about that. She said that they are just like, for whatever reason in Australia, like really want the biological parent to be with the biological child in any circumstance, which is... I don't, I don't, I'm, there's a lot more to that story, I'm sure, that we don't know, but. Do
1: they have meth heads in Australia, (laughs)
0: like they do here? I'm sure they do. Do they just have shitty parents in Australia? Uh Uh-huh. You stay with your bad parents. (laughs) Right. No, don't go to this couple that would love you unconditionally and take good care of you and feed you and raise you. No, stay with the meth head. No, go to your sex offender father method. Right, makes perfect sense, Australia.
1: I just read an article where a boy, he was in foster care, and they sent him back home to live with his father, who didn't have electricity, was doing meth, and was a sex offender, and the kid somehow got crazy lethal doses of meth in his system and died. And the father wouldn't take him to the hospital because he didn't want to go back to jail.
0: So... That's your worst case scenario right there. Yeah. That is awful. So the system
1: really failed that kid. It sure did. And his dad, obviously. Well, well, yeah. Ugh. Now he's going back to jail. Good. I hope
0: he rots there. Um, yeah, well... <laughs> so... Heather. I'm going to end with Heather here. Um, she, oh. we talked about her in our flip the script episode. Uh huh. So we, she wrote us a really long email, so I'm not going to read it all <laughs> um, for the sake of time here. But she, so her husband was in the military stationed in Spain. Long story short, he had to have a vasectomy reversal. They had to go back to the United States for that. Then they started trying naturally. It wasn't working. They eventually saw an RE, a Spanish RE. And so she says, unfortunately, infertility isn't really covered at all by military insurance. So it was a Spanish clinic that she was referred to. We went ahead with the option and waited for an appointment, which took them about two to three months to wait. And then she talks about their biggest challenge, one of their biggest challenges being the language barrier. So I wanted to read a few things that she shared. Um, Like for example, she (laughs) she said, fortunately I was able to have blood work done on the base and we were able to take the sample cup home for my husband. But remember that (laughs) lack of Spanish? Yeah, pretty funny when I had to drive my husband's sample back to the Spanish clinic, deliver it to be tested, and try to explain to the staff what it was and where it needed to go (laughs) oh no Uh, yeah so eventually her um clinic recommended IVF with ICSI um and but they like were not super even though her doctor spoke English they were not like super the word like information wasn't She didn't have, like, that information overload like we often feel in the United States. She said Mm -hmm. that she just sort of gave her information as it was coming. Um, She also said... Sounds about right. Yeah, she gave us this folder of info, everything we would need to know about doing IVF. I took it home to go over it. Of course, it was all in Spanish. So she had to figure a lot of it out on her own, of course. And then any kind of communication was tough for her, like phone calls to the clinic talking to the nurse while she was at the clinic everything was obviously a challenge when it's not your first language um and then so I thought that was interesting though that she said that about her doctor only giving her like chunks of info at a time because someone else in our Facebook group that's from I want to say she I'm not exactly where sure where she's from but she said that the other day she I just thought it was interesting I wondered if that is like a thing where they're just not or if just these like in other countries yeah if they're maybe not as like forthcoming with what's happening in the plan so uh
1: i remember watching someone on youtube and they did ivf in ecuador mm-hmm. and it seemed like it was that way like they went to transfer and they are like oh we're done right and she's she was like uh what We didn't even talk about how many we wanted to put in, and they put in two. Oh, right. (laughs) And then they were like, no, 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 we put in one, and then she got pregnant with triplets. That's right.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And lost one. And And lost one, yeah. Some of you probably know who we're talking about by now.
1: (laughs) One was a boy and one was a girl, so they obviously put two embryos in. Yeah,
0: right. So I just thought, I was wondering if that was a thing, and maybe it is. She said... Having never done IVF in the U.S., I don't know if that's normal, but it seemed different from any regular care I've had in the U.S. And since it was my first time, my husband and I were doing anything like this, we didn't necessarily think to ask. We were like deer caught in headlights, so overwhelmed with the process and the whole language barrier issue. It felt really weird to be doing something so important through doctors in a country that was not our own. But, she says, the good part, A full round of IVF with ICSI with a fresh transfer only cost them about $5,000, including meds. Whoa. So anyone who has had to pay the full cost of IVF in the U.S. knows that's a huge cost savings. Yes. It is. Yes. And then they ended up with twins after another round, right? right? The first one ended, that one ended in miscarriage and then they had an embryo that didn't survive the thaw. So they went through the whole thing again. And ended up with twins. So Yay. that's awesome. And she she has said many times, like, she's an open book. So if anyone has any questions about doing IVF in Spain, ask Heather. She's in our Facebook group. And thank you for sending us all that information, Heather. I thoroughly enjoyed reading about your experience. Okay, so let's move on to out of the box, Sarah. All right. In the spirit of going abroad, we were going to talk about our favorite vacation spots. Do you have one?
1: Uh, I mean, I liked Maui in Hawaii.
0: (laughs) But who doesn't? Sarah, you do realize Hawaii is in the United States.
1: Well, you said favorite vacation spot. You didn't say
0: favorite vacation spot abroad. (laughs) I know. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm just teasing you. I would go back to Hawaii again in a heartbeat. It's beautiful. If you ever have the chance to go, do it. Maybe you will be traveling abroad if you go to Hawaii. I remember because Bill and I had just gotten married not long before in Mexico. This was like a year after our wedding and my parents wanted to take this vacation to Hawaii. And I remember thinking like, oh, it's so expensive. The flight's like nine hours long. Is it really going to be that much better? Oh my gosh, yes. It's that much better. (laughs) It's just so beautiful. I've never seen any place like it where the beach is just as beautiful as the landscape it's just the most gorgeous place but i loved it but that's within the u.s (laughs) do you have any fun places you've traveled outside the u.s
1: the only other place i went was a cruise to the cayman islands in jamaica
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when i was 16 for a choir trip oh And it it wasn't, like, that fun.
0: (laughs) It was okay. I will not discuss my trip to Jamaica on this podcast, but I will tell you (laughs) about my choir trip when I was 16. I went to France. Ooh. And I had the time of my life, zero adult supervision, lots of alcohol. What? The drinking age is... Like, I don't know what it is, but it's below 16. They'll serve you. Oh, yeah. We drank the whole time we were there on a school-sponsored choir trip. Just a bunch of choir nerds running around Paris at 2 a.m. drunk. Wow. That's how you get abducted. I know. It's true. It's true. But I got to kiss my high school crush in front of the Eiffel Tower. I have the picture to prove it.
1: Wait, is it that one guy who you were partners in chemistry
0: with? No. <laughs> Different crush. Oh. Different, guy. Different guy. I had a lot of crushes in high school, but didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, that was my takeaway from my trip to France was that I got Aww. to switch my crush in front of the Eiffel Tower. That's so
1: sweet. Was it like a dare for him? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, now, I'm just wondering why it was photographed. Oh, yeah, good question. Um, we were not dating at the time or anything like that, and I just, I, I like, it, he just indulged me. We were friends, yeah. and I was like, "Hey, I've always thought it would be really cool to like have a picture of me kissing someone in front of the Eiffel Tower." Here we are. There's the tower. <laughs> Want to kiss
1: me? You're here. You're here, so <laughs> did you end up dating after that? We did.
0: Oh We did well, that's good we smooched on the international flight home as well. <laughs> like a lot. Well, you know. Let's just say I've joined the Mile High Club <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that wasn't happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be difficult.
0: Yeah, it's difficult at any age. I don't know anyone who's ever actually joined the Mile High Club. Like, that's, like, seriously difficult. Especially in those bathrooms. Plus, why would you want to? They are disgusting. Airplane bathrooms are so nasty. What's the appeal? The thrill of it? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem that thrilling to me. Yeah.
1: So that's pretty much our out-of-the-box. Thanks for, thanks for playing. Yes, yes. Uh, join our closed Facebook groups called the Infernal Mafia. And then inside of the Infernal Mafia, there's the uh, bosses and babies group for after you get pregnant or if you have kids, whatever. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear lots of talk
0: about eggs and balls and stuff. And in our next episode, we're talking about coping. Coping with being <laughs> infertile. <laughs> coping. Yeah. And don't worry. This is not going to be sad or serious because we're going to share all the ways that you cope. Some of which are good. Some of which are not healthy <laughs> but but <laughs> we're gonna keep encouraging you to do it if it makes you feel good Yeah, yeah so join us next time and as always thanks for joining the infertile mafia bye, bye. bye.